Amen. Thank you, guys. Uh, so uh, this morning, we are still in our Lenten series about following the way, kind of thinking about some of the uh, disciplines that Jesus gives to his followers to focus on our faith. And during the season of Lent, Christians have typically taken these weeks, these days of, of, of focusing on what it means to follow Jesus. And sometimes people have the practice of giving things up for Lent. At the very beginning of the series, if you remember, I mentioned that actually I'm encouraging you to add things for Lent. And it's the things that we've been talking about over the past handful of weeks. Things like um, uh, daily surrendering over to God, things like prayer, Scripture, what we talked about last week, and then, and then today what we're going to focus on is this posture, this discipline that Jesus gives to his followers of, uh, of being in community, of making sure that the community of being in relationship with other people is a priority for us. Uh, as I was thinking about this, I did a little bit of research, and maybe you already know this, but did you know the Lone Ranger, who many people are familiar with the show, and maybe you've, you've seen it, uh, it actually, the origins of the Lone Ranger show was that it was a radio show back in Detroit in the 1930s on WXYZ Radio. Anybody know that little tidbit? All right, I got a couple of you. All right, I found this out. I'm like, all right, yeah, Southeast Michigan. Look at that. So it began as a radio show and, and following along the, the journey of the Lone Ranger and Tonto and all that. And so um, it kicked off that way. And, and really, that idea of the Lone Ranger, it's become kind of its own idea and honestly ideal where where we think about being a Lone Ranger, and that's even become a phrase that many people in our culture know and, and kind of aspire to in some sense, where we want, to, we want to accomplish our goals, we want to achieve, and, and we wear it as a badge of honor if we can say, I did it on my own. I didn't need anybody. I, I beat the odds, and I was able to pull myself up, and I was able to accomplish it. And, and so this idea of being a lone ranger, of being able to make my own way and chart my own path and do it on my own efforts and strength, we've idealized it. We've, we've idolized it. And I bring this up because, because for followers of Jesus, we are not called to live like lone rangers. Jesus actually calls his people to be against that idea altogether. That you can do it on your own, that you can, you can muster up enough strength on your own, and that that's something you should aspire to. See, the big idea for this morning is Jesus talks to us as we receive from him the, the priority of community is really this. Here's the big idea. We need people in our life. Specifically, we need the people of Jesus in our life because that's how Jesus works. We need people, you need people in your life. Even more so, you need the people of Jesus in your life because that's where Jesus works. So let's unpack those this morning. Uh, first of all, we need people in our life, and, and this is kind of general for anybody, whether you're religious or not. We need people in our life. You cannot be an island to yourself. We are relational creatures. We are relational beings. Now, this may be overstating it, but, but at least from the research I've, I've looked into, the, 
the priority of relationships in our lives is so great that it actually is more beneficial to you as a holistic person for you to, to have drinks with your buddies in moderation rather than working out alone. I don't know if you realize that. That it's better for you to, to maybe take time and be around close friends or have people that you get together with in relational opportunities rather than doing something that, that is good for you physically, but doing it on your own all the time. Now, those are not mutually exclusive, guys. Not mutually exclusive. However, it shows like the priority and the impact of having relationships in your life on us as human beings. That science itself backs up the fact that we need people in our life. And it should be no surprise to Christians because if you go to the very beginning of the scriptures, that's kind of how God set the whole thing up. If you think about the creation story from Genesis chapter 1 and 2, it says God made this, and then what did he say? It is what? It is good. He made all the things, and every time he's like, it is good. It is good. And then you get the Genesis 2 where it kind of zooms in on God making humanity, and it says God made Adam, and then it said it is. He didn't say it is good. He said it is not good for man to be alone. That was the one time where he said it's not good. And, and we can take that and we can apply it to kind of marriage and, and the promise that God gives to us and the institution of marriage that God created. And to be sure, that's what it means, but it also is, deep, is pointing to a deeper reality that God made us as human beings and he never meant us to be on our own. From the very beginning, God made us relational creatures to work towards and have as a priority in our lives other people. And this may seem very obvious, and you're like, Pastor Andy, why, why do we need to talk about this? Because I think we need to emphasize this because I think in, in our modern day, we have downplayed, or at least we have ignored friendship and companionship. Like actual friendship. Like people that you say, they know me, and they haven't run out on me. And I know them, and I'm not going to run out on them. See, that level of friendship and companionship is something I think that, that we've neglected, and we've, we've kind of pushed to the side as secondary, and, and, and yet Jesus would want us to know that, that that is actually a fundamental part of being human. You know, I think about from one of my favorite movies and books, The Lord of the Rings, which if you've seen it, you probably are familiar with this, but two of the main characters, Sam and Frodo, um, they kind of exemplify, and really in modern, in modern kind of movies and modern books, they're kind of this great example of, of friendship and companionship, and there's this moment towards the end of the story, sorry to spoil it for you, but you've had a few years to read or watch it, Okay. Um, Sam is, is going with Frodo, and Frodo has got to destroy this evil ring, but it's been wrecking havoc on him as a person. It's literally been eating him alive from the inside and transforming him into to a distortion of himself, and, and he's the only one that can carry it. And so Sam, as they're approaching the finish line, and Frodo is falling down, and he can't do it, Sam is like, well, if I can't carry it for you, I can carry you. And he literally puts them on his back and brings them to where they need to go. 
And I think about that as this picture of friendship. And, and so many of us, if not all of us, are like, I want a person like that in my life. Like, we look at that and we're like, man, I want that person who's going to be with me and care for me. And not just our, our spouse or significant other. Hopefully that person is doing that for you. But, but I'm talking about the relationship outside of that, the friends. And that doesn't just happen overnight. It happens by committing to those people. By being vulnerable with other people. By opening ourselves up. And by committing to them. And, and so really, just to ask you, and maybe... Maybe the answer will make you uncomfortable, but do you have anybody in your life that you can do that with? That you can be transparent and open with and that you know that they're going to be committed to you and you feel the same way? And again, I'm not talking about your significant other or spouse. I'm talking friends. And if you're like, man, I don't know if I, I have those, uh, perhaps... Jesus is inviting you to say, man, how can, I, how can I try and make this a reality in as much as I can? Because we need people. But Jesus continues, and really the writer of Hebrews also wants us to know this, that not only do we need just other people, but we as Christians recognize this truth as well. We also need the people of Jesus in our lives. That we need not just people, but specifically, we also need to make sure that at the core of our relationships, at, at the center of our kind of social circles, we have the people of Jesus there. And, and that's really what the writer of Hebrews in chapter 10 is talking about. If you're to read the book of Hebrews in that, in that chapter, there's a whole bunch of sections where he writes, let us, let us, let us. Notice, the writer didn't say, let me. Let me do this. Let me do that. Clearly wasn't written by an American. Because he wants to, to know that, that we are in a community of believers. And that these relationships that, that God has given to us, this is where we, we pour ourselves into and surrounding ourselves in our lives with the people of Jesus. And think about this. He, he gives two let us's that I want to kind of highlight real quickly. First, he says in 23, let us, as we're around the people of Jesus, hold fast to our faith. And that's really one of the reasons that, that Jesus says, hey, I want you to make sure that, that you have relationships of, of other followers of Jesus in your life because it's in those relationships that your faith is strengthened and that, that you are able to grow in your faith. You're able to hold to that confession. Like, here's how it's happened in my life. Uh, and here's how I've seen as a pastor in general. Um, when there's a moment of kind of a crisis of faith, which, which for many people we've, we've had throughout our life, and, and it may come in the future, but you have a moment where there's a big thing, there's a big question or doubt or wrestling in your faith. And it's in that moment Sometimes people say, well, well, let me just push that down and ignore it. Don't do that. Because nothing ends up good that way. But, but sometimes what we may do, and, and, and the internet is an amazing place, but it's also a terrible place at the same time. It's amazing and terrible. And we go to the internet, 
And we simply plop in our question, and sometimes we get some helpful stuff, but sometimes it's not all that helpful, because the internet is not a good, like, curator of wisdom. I don't know if you've been on the internet recently. And so we turn to it, and, and we look to it for guidance, but sometimes it's not all that helpful, and sometimes it can lead us down not helpful ways. See, here's what, what God would call us to do, and here's where the, the, the people of faith dynamic is important, is when those doubts and questions and wrestling come up, we're invited to not push them down, but rather to seek out other followers of Jesus and say, hey, I, I've, been, I've been wondering about this. I've been wrestling through this. Can we talk about it? What do you think? Can we, can we kind of dig into this together, into God's word, and, and focus on it together? And, and that is where we're strengthened in our faith, by digging into those relationships together and walking with one another through those doubts, through those questions, and not ignoring them. And, and as I think about that, I, I think about two different groups of people. Like one group of people, if you consider yourself kind of more mature in your faith, no matter your age, if you consider yourself more mature in your faith, I invite you to think about it this way. I invite you to think, do you have a posture around other people that invites them to bring up their questions, or do you have a posture that, like, discourages them, and they're like, man, if I ask them a question, they're gonna, like, call me an idiot, or whatever it is. I think that's something for mature followers of Jesus. We should ask ourselves that question. Do other people feel safe to bring up questions with me and to seek to be those type of people because that's where dialogue and conversation happens. But, but also to, to the person who's maybe more immature in their faith and, and maybe newer to faith, regardless of the age, are you willing to admit that you don't know everything? Which, which may sound odd because you're the one with the questions, but here's what I've noticed. I've noticed a lot of times when we have questions and doubts, we start with the assumption that I'm right. And, and really what we're, what we're called to do is to even say, man, how can I look after the wisdom of people who have gone before me, who, who maybe have lived long years before me, but how can I lean on their wisdom and recognize that I don't know everything? And sometimes my doubt that comes up is wrong and being humble enough to admit it. But you see, it only happens in the context of, of relationships, of community, of being open and committed to one another. Uh, but, but one more let us, the, the writer of Hebrews says in verse 24, let us stir one another up to, to love and to good works and to, to always stay committed to gathering together. And so a lot of people, they think about like, oh, the attendance in, in churches around America, man, it's on the decline, just so you know, it was a problem in the first century too. They would forget to gather together and they needed that encouragement. Hey, let's gather together on a regular basis. But notice, it's stirring up one another and encouraging one another to, to live our life of faith, to follow Jesus and to stay committed to it. Really what it's a call to, it's a call to accountability. Like think about it when, when you maybe want to get more active in your fitness. Maybe you want to work out or you want to run. If you're a crazy person, you do that, but whatever. But whatever it is, you want to set a goal and you want to better yourself in some sort of like working out way, one of the best things you can do is, is not just say, I'm going to have a plan and stick to it, but it's actually to, 
to get somebody to do it with you. To say, hey, I want to make sure that I kind of surround myself with people. Now, it's not always foolproof, but that's a key part of it is having that person who is able to make sure you don't hit the snooze button 15 times. All right? In the same way, the writer of Hebrews is saying, that's what we do together as the people of God, is we encourage one another to, to follow Jesus. We check in with one another, especially when, when maybe it's like, man, I haven't seen that person in a while, whether it's like small group or worship, and I haven't seen them. And, and let me just let you in on a little like life of Pastor Andy, or life of pastors, I should say. Church member notices, oh, this so-and-so hasn't been around, and they come up to their pastor and they say, hey, I haven't seen so-and-so around. Um, do you know where they've been? And, and, and it's like, well, no, I haven't seen them either. Um, have you reached out to them? Is what the pastor would ask. And church member usually says, oh, no, that's your job, right? Which, in a sense, it is. But also, it's our job. It's our job to be checking in. And, and let me just let you know, like, a call from the pastor is like getting a call from the principal's office. I know that. I get it. But getting a text message from a friend of yours at church saying, hey, I haven't seen you in a little bit. I miss you. Is everything okay? That is a lot different than Pastor Andy's calling me. Uh-oh. Let me let it go to snooze. See, that's our calling. To encourage one another. To check in on one another. And it only happens by making that a commitment, by setting that as a priority so that we stir one another up. And we do all of it. We, we p- put people in our lives in relationships. We put the people of Jesus as a priority in our relationships. Here's the big reason why. It's because this is the way Jesus works in us and through us. Jesus works in you and through you as you are surrounding yourself with the people of Jesus. Like God in his infinite wisdom, he has decided this. He has decided that the way that he works in our lives is not by us going on a mountaintop or going on some secluded retreat or by having some mystical experience on our own. Here's where Jesus says he will work in us and through us. It's in his people. And if you want God's active work in your life, my biggest advice to you is this. Get around his people. Be together in worship, in in Bible studies, or even just hanging out together. And watch how God will work through them because that's what Jesus does is, is he saves us. He brings us by his death and resurrection into his family. But notice, it's his family, his church, not as an individual. We are a part of the church of God, saved into that, and he promises that this is where he grows us into our faith. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who some of you may may recognize the name, he was a Lutheran pastor back in the early 1900s. He wrote a book called Life Together. It's a short book, as you can see. Uh, This is probably one of the greatest books written in the 20th century, at least as far as Christian writing goes. It is an amazing book, and and here's what he says about the nature of Christian community and how God works in it. It says this, that Christian community or Christian brotherhood is not an ideal that we must realize. It is rather a reality created by God in Jesus in which we participate. 
Now, now here's what he's saying. He's saying this. When we come to the people of God into a church, we bring a whole lot of expectations. We expect, here's what it's going to look like. Here's how it's going to go. Here's how the relationships are going to be. Here's how the coffee's going to taste. Whatever it is, whatever expectations you come in with, you bring that in. And his point is this. They will not meet your expectations. The people you interact with as the people of God, guess what? They will disappoint you. They will let you down. They will not do what you were hoping they would do. But here's the thing. God has created us to be his people. And like any other family, this is who we have. And he invites us to lean into that. To know that even though it's not perfect, he works in our our giving of grace and receiving of grace as his people. Because there's going to be times where you need to give grace to somebody else in the church, in those key relationships. You're going to need to give grace. And guess what? There's a lot of times where they need to give grace to you. And it's in those moments where we are closer together and when we grow in our faith. And so really the invitation to all of us is this, that we would seek those relationships out. Because, because in our modern day, listen, there's a million churches out there. And sometimes people approach church and say, I'll dive into a church, but as soon as they don't meet my expectation or as soon as there's some sort of conflict, I'm out. So I can go down the road because they're the perfect church down there. And then you just keep looking or it'll eventually get to the point where they say, I'm just done with church. It'll just be me and Jesus. But remember, Jesus never called us to be alone. We need people. Specifically, we need the people of Jesus because this is where Jesus works, in us and through us. I want to close with with Lone Ranger one time, one more time. The ironic thing about the Lone Ranger, he was never alone. I don't know if you thought about that. He's called the Lone Ranger, but he was never alone. He always had Tonto, at least, or he always had these other key people in his life getting him out of the situations he's in or surrounding himself in his life. He even had like a a code. He even had like a set of of standards or guidelines that he lived by. And, And maybe you know them, but the very first one that he would kind of recite to himself or live his life by was this. He he kind of had as as his credo, I believe that to have a friend, a person must be one. Implication being, even the Lone Ranger knew he needed people. So for us as followers of Jesus, we embrace that reality that, hey, we need other people that we're open with, that we're committed to. Specifically, we need each other, the people of Jesus. And we know that Jesus will work even through the messiness and the irritation to grow us and to grow one another in our faith. Amen.